I'm Krati Mehra and this is Beyond the Goals podcast. It's my attempt to help you revel in all that life has to offer without pressing pause on your hustle. We learn how to create healthier relationships, a healthier lifestyle, a career that brings us true joy and a life that satisfies us on every level. Forget the conventional ideas of success and happiness because we're going to live a life of value and create an impact that speaks to our place in the world. So let's get started. Welcome back to Beyond the Goals. This is episode number 51 and today we are diving deep into the struggles of perfectionists, the issues they face as they strive for perfection in their professional and personal lives and what they can do to overcome the all or nothing mindset that leads to procrastination and lead happier, productive, more successful lives. Our guest expert for this episode is Sam Laura Brown, a perfectionist coach, host of the top-rated podcast, The Perfectionism Project, and the founder of Perfectionist Getting Shit Done, a group coaching program for perfectionists who are building businesses. Sam teaches perfectionists how to follow through with their plans and get out of their own way in their business. We begin this episode by understanding the concept of perfectionism, because I think a lot of us consider perfectionism to be a strength a trait that enhances our ability to outperform, outshine the competition. And if you're one of those people, you are in for a shock. Not only is perfectionism not an asset, it's it can actually be a huge roadblock to success. It can keep us stuck for a long time and keep us from achieving the things that we have the potential for. In fact, according to World Health Organization, perfectionist tendencies can lead to negative self-talk, depression, anxiety, and sadly, perfectionism can even lead to the amplification of suicide risks. So I think it's a struggle that warrants expert help that goes beyond the surface advice we find on the internet. So hopefully this episode will prove to be a step in the right direction because our guest, Sam Lar Brown, really does go deep. I honestly got to learn a great deal and I cannot wait for you to dive into the conversation as well. So let's get to it. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. Well, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm really excited. Yes, so am I. And um, can we begin with like a little uh, brief introduction about you? You have a huge listenership, but even so, I would love for you to introduce yourself a little bit. And if you can start by discussing like the basics of perfectionism here. Yeah, of course. So my name is Samuel Brown. And in case you can't tell from the accent, I am Australian. And I help entrepreneurs to overcome perfectionism and get out of their own way. I have a podcast called The Perfectionism Project, and I have a program called PGSD, Perfectionist Getting Shit Done. I am a perfectionism coach, and I would love to talk about the basics of perfectionism, and we can go from there. So really, perfectionism, as I've learned from people like Brene Brown, is that perfectionism is a strategy to avoid the feeling of shame and that perfectionism is less about doing things perfectly. It's more about avoiding imperfection. And so I like to talk about the five signs of perfectionism being overwhelmed, procrastination, burnout, all or nothing thinking and fear of judgment. And a lot of those things we're doing when we're trying to avoid looking imperfect and avoid doing things wrong. And so for me, with my own journey with perfectionism, I didn't realize I was a perfectionist until I started my business. Business just has a really beautiful way of bringing up a lot of perfectionism that is there in that way of thinking. And I started my blog and this was in 2013 and I started it like I bought the website and then I didn't do anything for three months I stopped listening to any podcasts about it because I just felt so embarrassed that I even thought that I could do anything that I thought I could have a business and then when I did get myself to start posting I would edit it after I'd already posted I wouldn't tell anyone in my real life about it I was so scared that they would say the things that I was believing that it was just a silly idea and what did I even know And I really thought for a lot of time I had a motivation problem because the way people talk about perfectionism is that perfectionism is when you're detail oriented and you are doing things perfectly. Like these perfectionists are these people who actually manage to be perfect. 
where that wasn't my experience. That's not how most people experience perfectionism, that there are some people who that is how it manifests for them. But for most, it's procrastination, overwhelm, burnout, those signs that I mentioned. And so when I really started to get an understanding of what perfectionism actually is and how to move out of that way of thinking, there's nothing wrong with being a perfectionist. There's so much advice out there about perfectionists just being perfectionism itself being a bad habit and that you just need to snap yourself out of it. But when you can really have compassion for yourself and your brain and that that perfectionist way of thinking has been a survival mechanism that has probably served you quite well. And now when it comes to business, which is what I help people with, but any area of life, it really isn't serving you as an adult. And the key to getting out of the perfectionist mindset is getting into a growth mindset, which we can talk a bit more about if you'd like. But that growth mindset is really what allows us to show up fully and to get out of our own way. And when people say things about perfectionism, like just remember nobody's perfect, done is better than perfect. And all of those platitudes, while they sound nice, like I was so frustrated once I realized I was a perfectionist with the lack of true practical advice that's out there, because I was like, yeah, I know nothing's perfect and no one's perfect and all of that, but I still find myself wanting everything to be. So what do I actually do about it? And because so much perfectionism advice is very dismissive. I felt like there was a problem with me when there wasn't. And when I've been able to develop my own process through my experience and helping hundreds of people getting out of their own way, I've really been able to recognize and fully understand there's nothing wrong with me. There never was. It was just that I was following advice that didn't have that perfectionist mindset in mind and also wasn't helping me to get into that growth mindset in a really compassionate way. Everything you've shared, like procrastination, fear of judgment, burnout, they're all connected, I think. And no, thank you so much for putting it in such a concise and in such a like a complete way. Uh, it really helps to understand that. And in fact, I will go so far as to say that, you know, in a lot of the cases when burnout happens, we would think, Anybody who thinks about burnout thinks that this person must be, you know, uh, churning out content. They must be working round the clock and they must be like, you know, going so fast. But in a lot of the cases, they're not really getting anything done. It's so it's so painful to look at those cases and, you know, realize that this person is working, is working a lot, but is not really hitting their goals at all because there's so much fear Apart from the work that you're doing, apart from the physical energy, the focus that you're giving your project, there is this constant dialogue that's going on inside you and it gets so exhausting after a while. This dialogue that reminds you that what you're producing is just not good enough, that it gets so exhausting and so much of burnout is fueled by that. So can we like discuss, because I don't think um, perfectionism is just like some sort of mental struggle. I think there is a very, very dominant emotional element to it. There is a story that goes on that fuels perfectionism. So can we talk a little bit about that, please? Yeah, well, it all comes back to shame. And I love how you talked about burnout just now because burnout, as you said, a lot of the conversation around burnout is about people working too hard, doing too many things, and you just need more work-life balance as if that's going to cure it when burnout is really, and all of these other signs of perfectionism, the overwhelm, the procrastination, all of that, it's all coming back to wanting to avoid shame. And the ironic thing about perfectionism or any emotion that we're trying to avoid is the more we try and avoid it, the more we create it. So say, for example, if someone's setting goals and they don't want to set a big goal because they don't want to disappoint themselves by not setting a goal and a big goal for themselves, they're disappointing themselves in the trying to avoid the disappointment. So the same happens with shame, that we perfectionists are masters at shaming ourselves. And yet this whole thing is constructed as a way to avoid shame. And we can talk about shame resilience, that's part of a piece of the puzzle and really developing that ability to experience shame and to speak shame and to do that in a very particular way different to just posting about it online and it has to be in a way that you really feel vulnerable but it's all about shame and when people talk about perfectionism they talk about how it is fear of failure I initially thought it was fear of failure 
um, or fear of success or rejection, but it's all that layer deeper and that fear of shame. And I love the way Brene Brown talks about shame and that shame is the fear of disconnection, the fear of not belonging, that fear that we're not good enough, not good enough to belong, not good enough to be connected to others in our lives. So it's all just perfectionism is just kind of this way that our brain has figured out, well, if we can just be this way, we can avoid this painful feeling. Yeah. And I would say that I don't think it's ever that cut and dried when it comes to emotions and it comes to our, uh, you know, whatever mental story we are playing on a loop. I don't think it's ever really that that uh, simple. When I switched careers, I was so good at my previous career that everyone expected similar results in my new career, even though my new career was so, so completely different from what I was doing previously. But I carry that same expectations onto the new career, forgetting that this is something so new to me. So that fear of showing up as a fraud and that fear of, you know, making people think that, oh, she was never that good enough. We just built it up in our heads was what held me down. So for me, that was my story because I'd always associated my worth with my external achievements and my accolades. So do you think like if you are struggling with it and if you identify the struggle as something that, you know, as perfectionism, can understanding your backstory, can understanding perhaps your childhood struggles and your uh, ongoing emotional conversations that you have in your own head help you break the whole thing down and perhaps figure out how you can get from, you know, being this person that's suffering in this raw way to finding a solution? Yeah, so there's definitely value in understanding a bit more about how your brain decided that this way of thinking was going to be best for your survival. The only thing I will say there is that we can get very fixated on getting to the root and perfectionism is coming from our present day thoughts. Those perfectionist tendencies are coming from thoughts that we're having today. And it might be that our brain decided when we were seven that we need to think that way in order to survive. And so we've just kept thinking that thought over and over and over again. And it's now become very habitual. And it's that habitual thought that's creating the perfectionist tendencies and making us get in our own way. But I've just found that when people are wanting to dive into their past, which again, there's definitely value in doing that. And for me, I had some really big breakthroughs when I did that and I could make connections that could help me have some compassion around, okay, I can see why my brain has decided to think this way. That if we try and focus on getting to the root of it, because the root is really, Mm -hmm. we didn't want to feel shame. That there was some experience we had where we felt like we didn't belong, often it tends to involve this perception of abandonment, rejection, that flavor of things. And that can be something that was what others would deem traumatic. It could be something that was just a teacher making a comment in school. It can be anything that we decided, I never wanna feel this way again. And so if I can just do everything perfectly, I'm never gonna have to feel that way. And so we've had that decision and we can identify that and help us say, oh, that's where I started thinking this way. But when we think that it comes from the past, we're very helpless to change because then we can't change the past. Yeah, yeah. Of course, we can change the story we have around the past, which is what the past really is. But if we think that the answer is in the past, rather than recognizing that the answer is in the present and the way that we're currently thinking today, again, not to say there's not value in doing that work, but as a coach, I'm really focused on helping people really understand their present day thoughts and how to achieve their goals and change in the future rather than being past focused, which is more therapy in that line of things. So there's like a lot of our PTSDs in our program do therapy as well as working with a coach on this kind of thing. But I'm hesitant to recommend a huge deep dive. If someone's not able to function in day-to-day life because of it, definitely. But if you are, like it can just be this form of like procrastination that we want to get to the root before we allow ourselves to actually show up and do the things that we want to do. It can be you're doing both at the same time. You're getting into that growth mindset and you're also doing work to change the story you have about the past so it's more empowering or identifying what went on and reconciling that so you can move forward and enjoy your life and all those different things does that make sense yes yes that does make sense 
Yeah, because I think if you pick up a project that you genuinely really, really care about, you might feel this weight on your chest, this fear of being judged, as you mentioned, and the overwhelm. Of course, any project could get overwhelming. And I think when you are very deeply emotionally invested in something, it is going to have an impact on you that's not always going to be positive because you're going to go so deep into it and want such good things out of it that it, it could, you know, that perfectionism struggle could settle in. So it makes sense what you're suggesting here. So instead of focusing too much on our past story and trying to figure out the root, we need to focus more on what it is that's going on in our head as and when we have these struggles, as and when we have this sort of paralysis where we are unable to move forward because of our perfectionism. Yeah, if someone, for example, with procrastination, I mean, we could go on about procrastination. There's lots of different forms and most perfectionists especially if they have a history of doing well in school and that kind of thing, they won't procrastinate by inaction. They will procrastinate learn, procrastinate research, procrastinate clean, like all of these kinds of things. Um, but when we're really looking at why someone would choose to procrastinate, which is a choice, it's because of the thought we're having today, not because of what happened when we were 11 years old. And it just gives us so much more power to change where we can see, okay, what was the thought I had right before? And initially it's going to be really hard to access those thoughts because they're so habitual. But when we can start to have awareness after the fact and see, for example, with procrastination, a thought that people might have of helping perfectionists with business because we are emotionally invested in it and it tends to bring up a lot that we can see that we might have a thought of, well, it's not going to make a difference. I don't have anyone following anyway. Okay, so I was thinking if you can, if uh, I think it would be really helpful to anyone listening to this who doesn't quite completely understand perfectionism, if we can share like an example with them for people who, because not everybody would instantly name their struggle as, oh yeah, yeah, I'm a perfectionist or this is what I'm struggling with. So can we do that? Can you share an example, please? Yeah, so I think the most helpful way would be to go back to those five signs of perfectionism and talk about each of those briefly because it tends to be the most insightful way for when I help people that they realize, oh, that's what that is. I thought it was lack of motivation. I thought it was that I, you know, just wasn't confident enough. And it's not to say that you're not unmotivated or that you are lacking in confidence, but to really see that there is a name for it and that there's nothing wrong with being a perfectionist, but now you have the language you can do something about it can really help. So when it comes to those five signs, the first is overwhelm. So this tends to look like wanting to do everything. So let's talk specifically about planning in PGSE, I teach a method called power planning. And that's really to help people actually plan in a way that works for perfectionists, because a lot of perfectionists don't know how to plan in a way that gets their mindset on their side. So they think that they have a follow through problem when it's actually a planning problem. So with overwhelm, what perfectionists will tend to do is we put way too much on our to-do list. So we just have this long running to-do list of things we want to do. And then we feel so overwhelmed because we don't know where to start. We don't have enough time and we want to do everything perfectly. So that thought alone is very overwhelming. So we tend to do nothing. And this relates to the all or nothing mindset as well that if we can't do something perfectly, then we're not doing it at all. If we're not going to get all the way to our goal, then we, it's no point doing it. It's not going to make a difference whether we get there or whether we do the work today. If we are in this state of overwhelm as well, it's a form of procrastination because when we're overwhelmed, we don't have to do anything. We don't have to put ourselves out there. We don't have to risk the failure and the rejection and the success that might then lead to shame. So it can really become the emotional home of a perfectionist to be in this state of overwhelm. And it feels very comfortable there. And when we're not overwhelmed, we tend to feel like we are missing something or we add more on our plate so that we go back into that state of overwhelm because right. we've spent so much time there. So then if we talk about procrastination, so there's lots of forms of procrastination. There is procrastinate learning, procrastinate research, productive procrastination, like busy work, so in business, for example, this is doing things that don't really matter and it can be very challenging to spot. So an example of this might be spending a lot of time working on your branding. 
or what your website looks like and the colors on that or spending an hour writing an Instagram caption and then you never even publish it at all. All of those different things can be productive procrastination where you feel like you're actually doing things that are going to contribute to achieving your goals, but they're not the most important thing you could be doing, but we tend to stay very busy with the things that don't really matter. So we don't have as much time for the scary things that we know we need to do. We just kind of put those things off and we focus on the things that are more comfortable. Like for me, for example, when I started my business as a blog, I would spend three hours creating a Pinterest graphic instead of telling people about what I was doing. Instead of writing another thing, I would just think like, if I can get these colors just right. And I like, I really care about how things look and like, we can really dress it up and make it sound very justified. If I can just get this right, then we kind of think like everything else will be okay. And no one's going to get the wrong first impression and that kind of thing. So procrastination is also, it comes up when we are doing the needle movers is what I like to call them, like the things that matter, but we're doing them in an inefficient way. So for example, with my podcast, I used to record the episode like right before it needed to go out instead of batch recording them. And by doing that, it created some chaos and overwhelm there as well. But it meant that I didn't have time or the ability to focus on the things I really needed to do. Even though the podcast was part of the plan, it was a needle mover itself, I was doing it in such a way that it became a form of procrastination because I kept having to switch between different things. So there's many ways that procrastination can come up for a perfectionist. Also, if you start the week having the intention to be productive and then it gets to Wednesday and you find you're scrolling through Instagram again or doing whatever it is you like to do to kind of try and escape the fact that you aren't where you want to be, that is how it comes up as well. But for perfectionists, it's really a lot of this productive procrastination. This is why I teach clean rest, resting without guilt, because we feel so guilty when we rest that we just want to be busy. But then if we are doing things that are scary, then that feels too vulnerable. So we kind of are in this middle ground where we're doing things that don't really matter. So we can feel productive without feeling vulnerable and like we're at risk and exposing ourselves and that kind of thing. Then we have burnout, which we've talked about briefly, but burnout is really about the energy that you are working from. If you are working from lack and scarcity, then you are going to burn out. And as you mentioned, a lot of times burnout is there when there's a lot of inaction because procrastination and overwhelm and all of those things are very exhausting and they're things that we do when we're working from that place of lack. So for some people, they might be burned out and exhausted, but if someone was to look at their life from the outside, they wouldn't even know what their goals are or what they're working towards. That is a sign that you are working from a place of lack and from this mentality of I'm not good enough. And when we're working from that mentality of I'm not good enough, we don't want to give a full effort to anything because then if we're giving a full effort and we fail, then we can't blame anything but ourselves. But if we procrastinate, so going back to procrastination for a minute, but this fits into burnout as well because they usually go hand in hand. If we procrastinate until the last minute and then we don't do well, so it's like, this is what I did in school. Procrastinate until the last minute, I didn't do well and say, oh, well, I would have done better if I didn't procrastinate. If I procrastinate and I did do well, which is what happened most of the time, I got to feel extra smart because I would have done better if I hadn't procrastinated. Yeah. So it's this yeah. kind of out that we give ourselves that we get to feel smart if we get great results with procrastination. And unfortunately, that means we never actually get to see what we're fully capable of because we're always wanting to you know, have this backup plan that we can blame procrastination if things don't go the way we want, there's the all or nothing mindset, which I've already talked about a bit, but most people are familiar with this most in the health and fitness area of their life. How you do one thing is how you do everything. So if it's in health and fitness, it's probably in other areas, but this is, for example, starting to eat healthy and then, you know, a coworker brings in donuts and you eat one and then you've ruined the week and you need to wait till next week to start again. And like this whole mentality of being able to ruin a habit 
um, or that it's not worth showing up. It's not going to make a difference. So for example, someone in business posting on Instagram, well, I don't have any followers. So what's even the point of doing this because no one's going to read it anyway. That is all or nothing thinking. There's so many ways it showed up. Like I do, did an episode on 10 different ways specifically that it shows up. It's something that a lot of perfectionists are either fully doing things. It's kind of this idea of like, do it well or not at all. And unfortunately we spend most of the time in the not at all side of things. So we'll do it well for a week or so, maybe a few months at best. And then we're not doing it perfectly. So we decide, well, I'm not going to do it at all. And then we kind of disappear and don't do things for usually a few weeks, if not a few months before we get motivated to do it well or not at all, all over again. And we just stay in that cycle. And then also fear of judgment, which comes back to shame. Shame is the fear of disconnection. So being scared of what other people are thinking, we're thinking, they're thinking what we're thinking, if that makes sense. Like we project our poor beliefs about ourselves onto others and think they're thinking the same thing. So of course we're scared of judgment because we're so good at it for ourselves. And this is where imposter syndrome comes in as well and people pleasing, which is another big sign of perfectionism that falls under that is people pleasing, which is saying yes when you want to say no, saying no when you want to say yes, prioritizing other people, what they ask of you over what you want for yourself. And particularly, for example, this can look like when you are making plans to work towards a goal that you have. So say, for example, in business, you are working on your business and then a friend asks you if you want to catch up. So this, for example, happened to me when I left my full-time accounting job and I suddenly had all this time available that then everyone was like, oh, do you want to catch up? Do you want to do this? And I would just say yes to everyone. And then I'd fit in my business stuff around that. Instead of saying, hey, I'd love to catch up. I'm not free at that time. I have plans with myself. Like as perfectionists, we tend to really not value the plans we have with ourselves. Like that we think they're all negotiable unless someone else is involved. So I'd say, yep. And I'll just reshuffle my stuff. I wouldn't even tell them I was doing that. I just assume I had to do that. And when I started saying, hey, actually you free this other day instead, most of the time they'd say yes. If they didn't, we'd find another day. But like, I really, that made such a difference when I was able to do that. So I hope that helps. Those are some examples of how it can manifest. Absolutely. This all sounds like such familiar behavior, which which makes it very reassuring because you, I think you see the struggle and you see that we are all kind of on the same boat. It. I think it's reassuring. It felt reassuring to me to know that, yes, yes, other people are struggling with this. And yes, this is what this is. And if I can label it, surely I can find a solution here. I can find ways to manage it. If not, I don't think you can ever like completely get over it, but I'm pretty sure you can learn to manage it, which is what I want to ask you about as the expert on the subject. Like, can you give us some pointers here? First of all, how do we manage it? That's one thing that I want to know. And if there are like particular personality traits that make us more prone to this behavior, and perhaps it would help to manage those personality traits as well. Yeah, I'm glad you've asked that question in that way because I don't believe in managing it. And I'll share a bit more about why. Okay, okay. So people tend to talk about procrastination and perfectionism and that kind of thing in this way of like just manage those thoughts, just manage your desire. And initially, like there is some management while you're learning how to get out of that mindset. But say, for example, like I like to give the example of someone who's smoking. uh, So a smoker and a non-smoker that if someone is a non-smoker, they don't have to manage their desire to smoke. So say, for example, I'm a non-smoker. If someone put a packet of cigarettes here, I'm not having to like get tips on how to manage how to not put a cigarette in my mouth because I'm not a smoker. So this is the self image side of things, which is really important. If someone is a smoker, they believe they're a smoker then you put a pack of cigarettes there, they're going to be thinking about them. They're going to be planning when they're going to smoke the next one. Should I, shouldn't I? That mindset and that mindset, you're going to need tips on how to manage because you identify yourself as the person who does that thing. So with perfectionism, I call it that not to put a label on it and get someone in this identity that I am a perfectionist, therefore I need to manage my perfectionism. It's just to help people recognize that 
the fact there's a name for it means you're not the only one. And when you have a name for it, you have language which gives you tools. But if we are approaching perfectionism or any of its symptoms of overwhelm or procrastination or burnout, and a lot of people approach it in this way of how do you manage it? Then we're only going to ever be able to manage it and it will never go away. It will always be persistent. Okay. So if we talk instead about getting into a growth mindset, which is if we think about mindset and there being two ends of the spectrum, there's a fixed mindset, which is what perfectionists have. This is all Dr. Carol Dweck teaches this, the fixed mindset and the growth mindset. And when we're having those perfectionist tendencies, we're in the fixed mindset. We think everything we do is evidence of whether or not we're good enough. We think our intelligence is pretty much fixed and we don't wanna put in a full effort because we see effort as a sign of inadequacy. The growth mindset is where we're willing to show up fully because we aren't personally attached to our outcomes. We don't think they're a reflection of ourselves. So showing up fully and failing wouldn't involve shame because we wouldn't make it mean anything about ourselves. So in this growth mindset, that's when you really believe that you are able to improve with effort and practice and you demonstrate that by practicing and putting in a full effort. The growth mindset isn't about being into personal development books. It's about actually disconnecting your self-worth from your achievements. And the beautiful thing about that is the more you do that, the more you'll achieve because the more courage you'll have, the more fully you'll show up. So with all of that said, in terms of managing perfectionism, if perfectionism is a strategy to avoid shame, it, like we're always going to have shame as one of our emotions that we're going to experience. And so we can practice shame resilience, right, right. which will help us as well with the growth mindset so that we can experience shame without it being something that debilitates us or makes us have to go into hiding or makes us lash out at others or makes us people please. So when it comes to how do you manage perfectionism, to go back to your question, yeah. the better question is how do we create a growth mindset? And that's not to say that like we don't want to be in this all or nothing mindset about that, that it's either the growth mindset or the fixed mindset. But for all of us, we have some area of our life where we're in the growth mindset. We're willing to try things that are new, we're willing to show up fully. We don't make it mean anything about ourselves. So it might be a hobby, for example, where we're actually like just curious and we follow that curiosity without saying, oh, this has to be perfect and that kind of thing. And the more we can identify that and then take that way of thinking into the area where we struggle the most. So for the people I help, it's really areas of intelligence that we tend to struggle. So business is a great one, school and studying, that kind of thing. It's like the systems that most of us have learned from put us in a fixed mindset and tell us that it only matters what result you achieve. It doesn't matter how you achieve the result, the process to get there, the fun you had along the way, it just matters whether you got the A or not. So for a lot of us, when it comes to studying and business, we're very much in that fixed mindset. And it's not because there's anything wrong with us. It's a mindset that can be changed, but we can then take lessons from other areas of our life and see, well, how are we thinking about that? And there's a process I teach fully that teaches how to do this. But it's really about getting yourself into a growth mindset, working on self-trust, self-image. So being the kind of person, so going to procrastination. If you believe you're a procrastinator and you want tips to manage procrastination, you will never stop procrastinating, ever. You will always return back to procrastination when you're not motivated. We always get who we believe we are. And it's kind of like this rubber band pulling us back. There will be this vacuum towards the thing that we believe we are. But if you instead believe and practice believing, there's a whole process for this, but believing that you're the kind of person who does things at the first opportunity, who does scary things, that kind of thing, then you don't need tips to manage procrastination. You don't need to delete the Instagram app off your phone so you'll stop scrolling. It's kind of like the equivalent of when people say with getting healthy, we'll just remove all the junk food from your house. That's a tip to manage instead of actually eliminating the desire to eat the junk food, which is so much more sustainable and effective and fulfilling. Yeah. But when it's this message of, well, just get it out of the house, 
then it means that person's further solidifying the belief that they're someone who eats junk food because they're so bad they have to remove it from the house yeah so we want to instead be focused on getting into a growth mindset and less focused on how to manage it that there are as i said things to do while you're getting into the growth mindset that will help you get out of your own way enough to get into that mindset does that make sense Yes, yes, absolutely. And I love this approach. It's such a compassionate, self-loving approach. So instead of focusing on how to manage it, you uh, maintain a curiosity mindset, you maintain a growth mindset, you learn to love the journey, and you learn to, um, in fact, I ask you, like, if we are plunging into like a big project, if you're beginning some new phase of life, or plunging into something that we've been wanting to do for a long time, what sort of mindset do you uh, suggest that we take in? So we focus on the journey. I know that we focus on learning and, you know, growing. Uh, Instead of hitting the milestones, we just focus on moving forward. What else Mm, do you suggest there? I do believe in having milestones and focusing on hitting them. So there's, so what I teach in inside my program is a method of goal setting where you set an unrealistic goal because as perfectionists, we don't like to have unrealistic goals. We just want to achieve all the things, but we have this goal that is set above what we believe is possible for ourselves. And it's not actually impossible to achieve it, but our brain thinks it is based on the self-image and beliefs that we have. And so we have this big goal that we break down into milestones and then we have the weekly power planning that we do. But this brings up the perfectionism work that needs to be done. So when we focus on, like, I think most people know, enjoy the journey, that kind of thing. We're like, yeah, but like, what do I actually do? And how does that look like? So having this goal, this 12 month goal with quarterly milestones, and then this power planning process that I teach, it really brings up the work that needs to be done so you can actually do it. And it's a very practical way to be doing this work because when we try and think our way out of it, it's very challenging. We have this intellectual understanding. So there'll be a lot of people who listen to every episode of my podcast and really understand perfectionism, but they're not actually experiencing change in their life because they're not implementing. And so you need to actually have a tool, have a way of having that work be brought up and then tangible strategies and practical things you can do to actually do that work. It's more than just thinking, okay, focus on the journey. And yes, like that's so important to enjoy the journey. But I found for myself, like even as a teacher of that, I still find that challenging to just focus on enjoying the journey. And it's been the way I've been able to get out of my own way and make so much progress with my own perfectionism is actually setting goals and planning in a way that allows me to do that practical work. Right. So I will say just when you said about the milestones and that kind of thing, because what we can tend to do is really coddle ourselves and say, okay, well, I'm just going to focus on enjoying the journey and I'm not going to try and achieve anything. And I'm just going to be present. I'm going to let it be okay that I'm not doing things perfectly. And when we take that approach, like we want to be self-compassionate And oftentimes that approach isn't self-compassionate because of the way that we're doing it, that we're just kind of letting ourselves indulge in our perfectionist way of thinking instead of having a big goal and our brain freaking out about it and then learning what to do about that and also learning that it's okay. So going back to your original question about if someone has a big project or something that they're starting, what is my advice? The one thing I would say just in the format of this podcast is that understanding you're not going to feel like it and that excitement is always going to be there is such an important part of it. In my program, we talk about this as being the dip. And this is where if you think about there's motivation. So when you're starting a new project, we have this dip that we experience. So if you think about when you first start a project, you are going to be the most motivated you probably ever are with that project. And also yeah. we're in that perfectionist mindset and we're thinking we're not good enough. We love the beginning. We love the clean slate. We love the 1st of January because there's no evidence yet that we're not going to succeed. So when we start, we have this motivation and then the results are going to come to a lot later. The success, the goal that we're working towards, 
A side note there, it's so important to have a really clear goal about what success looks like because often we just have this vague idea of I want it to be successful and we've never actually defined how to measure that. And so that's one of the ways we keep ourselves apart from feeling successful and further solidifying that story we have that we're not good enough and we have these vague goals. We never have to fail at them, which is why we love them, but we never actually get to succeed and we don't even know what a needle mover is, what the busy work is and what isn't, because if you don't have a goal, it's impossible to tell when you're procrastinating and when you're not. So we have the results that are going to come much later on in the process and it's going to take practice and effort and trying something and then it not working and trying another way and it not working and trying another way and it not working and over and over again. So this dip is kind of in the middle of that where we are not motivated anymore and we don't yet have results. And one way that you can think about this is with health and fitness, this dip happens a lot that you will start a new fitness program and you will start working out and you know for a few weeks you're doing it consistently because you don't yet believe you should have results. You're thinking, okay, well, I've just started this. I'm not gonna expect that I'm looking incredible right away. But then as you get into like, you know, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, most people start to expect that they should be looking differently or losing weight or whatever. And because they're actually in that dip but they're expecting the results, they quit because they didn't really understand that that's a normal part of the process. That there's going to be a period of time that you're not motivated and you don't have results. And so like, that's what I help people do to get through that stage of not being motivated, not yet having results. So I think the most important thing in answer to that, besides learning how to get into the growth mindset, all of that kind of thing that I teach is really to just understand that dip is coming and there's no amount of motivation you can find that will avoid the dip being there. And the way to get through that is being in that growth mindset. But if you even just have the awareness that, you know, I'm starting this project, but in a month, I'm really not going to feel motivated. And I'm probably, this is where shiny object syndrome comes in. I'm probably going to want to start something else. I'm probably going to forget about this new project. I'm going to get busy with other things. Yeah, That's what quitting often looks like for a perfectionist. It's not this blatant, I quit. It's this like, oh, actually I had this really great idea instead. And we just moved to this other thing. So if you're aware of this dip and that it's coming and that it's normal and that everyone you admire and look up to in terms of whatever it is that project relates to, they have been through this dip and are constantly navigating the dip. Yeah, I've found for me when I've really started to understand that, it means I don't freak out as much when I'm in the dip, I don't make it mean it's not going to work. But when we don't understand that that dip is coming, we think something has gone wrong. And so we quit. Right, right. So that is what I would say to someone who is starting a new project to just know the dip is coming. And when it comes to just like, oh, yeah, Sam mentioned the dip. Here it is. This is the dip. And it's going to go longer than you want it to go. But the best way to get through the dip is to let it be okay that you're in that dip, that you don't have motivation anymore and you don't yet have results and to keep showing up. It's when we try and resist it. I'm like, why aren't I feeling more motivated? Why aren't I feeling better? That that dip persists, what we resist persists. And that's really the case with the dip as with so many other things. Yeah, that's awesome advice. That's really helpful. So uh, now that we're like ending 2021, we're going into 2022. And I know a lot of people are going to start setting resolutions in one form or another. I think we all plan. We all absolutely do plan at the start of the, the new year. So any re- suggestions for anyone listening to what they can do to like plan better, to make things easier on themselves, and also, but also more productive, you know, in whatever way they want it to be? Yeah. Well, in my program, I teach a method called power planning, which I won't go into here, but there are so many things you can learn about planning that will help you to actually follow through. And we tend to think that like, we love planning, as you said, we love planning. We love the hope and the optimism that comes with that. There's procrastinating planning. That's the whole thing. But there's a few big mistakes that we tend to make when it comes to planning. And I already mentioned, so the first step in planning is the goal. And we often make it too vague or we have too many goals 
or we have no goals at all. So there might be some people who are like, well, I'm not going to set any goals because I haven't achieved any of them anyway. And I'm yeah. just going to, you know, go with the flow and be kind to myself and yeah. all of that kind of thing. So having one clear, specific, measurable goal, the way I teach it in my program is that it's above what you believe is possible. It's very important in that case to then make sure you break it down quarterly for us. Each of those quarterly milestones get bigger and bigger as the year goes. And then you have a way of actually taking that unrealistic goal and achieving that by having achievable weekly plans. But you right. need to start with that goal because like we love having a lot of goals. Like I'm going to have a big goal for every area of my life. I recommend just having one goal for one area as in not one goal per area, one goal. Okay, okay. And knowing that how you do one thing is how you do everything. Right. So that the benefits of that. So for example, for me, my goal is for my business and I have a baby who's five months old. I have like other things going on that I have a lot of hopes and dreams and goals around. But I know that if I'm really doing this work in one area of my life, that it's just going to naturally flow over to the other areas. But if I set a goal for every area of my life, what we love to do is when we're in the dip, we jump to the next goal. Oh, actually, I'm not going to focus on my health and fitness so much. I'm going to work on my business. And we get into the dip with that. Oh, no, actually, like we just jump between goals and we get to feel ambitious. Yeah. But we use it as a way to self-sabotage and be like, which goal should I focus on? And we have this whole like procrastinate confusion around which one should I focus on and how much time should I spend on each one? It just it really brings up the work when you just have one goal it's clear it's specific ideally set above what you believe is possible for yourself and that is really the first step and then with planning there are three mistakes that perfectionists really make with planning there's a lot but these are three main ones over planning putting too much on our plate under planning vague plans winging it going with the flow trying to be kind to ourselves and i'm a big believer in being kind to yourself but when we do it in that way, we're actually not being kind to ourselves at all. And then keeping plans workable when we are in that all or nothing mindset, we tend to write these like long to-do lists and have all these hopes of productivity. Yeah. And we feel so overwhelmed. We don't know where to start. So we don't do anything at all. And then we just ditch it all together. Or say if you're working off a calendar, for example, that you're just like, this is too rigid and strict, which you made the calendar, like you made the plan. We tend to think like, oh, someone else made yeah. it so rigid. We're yeah. the ones who did that. You have to keep it workable. You have to, for example, I like to think about, you know, if you're traveling somewhere, you put the destination in the GPS and then you're going to have to, you know, if there's a roadblock, if there's a stop sign, like all those things that come up, you don't just throw the map out the window and say, well, I hope I get there. You just reroute and you adjust your plans. Yes. And when we're in that all or nothing mindset, we really don't let ourselves do that and it's such a flaw in terms of the way that we're planning and it's there's nothing wrong with us it's just that we haven't learned how to plan in a way that prevents this over planning prevents this under planning and it tends to be a cycle where we over plan and we get frustrated then we under plan and we go through and burnouts in there as well but if we can avoid over planning under planning and we can really make the effort to keep our plans workable and not forgetting our plans like when we don't follow through we tend to just forget or yeah forget to look at the to-do list or the calendar we rewrite the to-do list yeah. that kind of thing so you need to have that specific goal and then avoid the over planning under planning and make sure you keep your plans workable would be my recommendation and that that was amazing and all of it it's like you're in my head it all of it is so relatable because these are the struggles we have and i love that i'm like i got such great advice here that I would recommend to anyone listening who actually struggles with this any of what you've described if any of it sounds familiar and you are someone who needs help with this I would recommend them working with you and I would share I'll share all the links that you've mentioned because you know online the articles it's not they're not the best <laughs> they're like just a band-aid you need to do the work with someone who actually understands what's going on so that that's this was great but can you recommend any other resources that people can explore so that they can learn more about it um anything that like you've created i know that you have the, the podcast is absolutely a gold mine uh anything else you want to recommend yeah so as you said my podcast would be the recommendation that i would give the perfectionism project you can find anywhere else in podcast and i also have a group coaching program 
perfectionist getting shit done, otherwise known as PGSD. We are opening the doors again in January. Um, so we will put that in the show notes if people want to join the waitlist and find out more about that. Absolutely. And yeah, those are the two places I would recommend going. And I'm on Instagram as well at perfectionism project, but the podcast, I would say is the best place. Yeah. Yeah. This, okay. That really helps. I will make sure to share all of the links. Now for my last question, if you were only allowed to give one advice that can help people improve the quality of their life, what would that one advice be? What would that advice be? That's a great question. I, I like I knew this question ahead of time as well, and I'm still like, what would the one piece of advice be? <laughs> what comes to mind? I think there's like you no know, like one piece, but for me, like what comes up when I think about that right now is to trust yourself, and that's something that perfectionists tend to not do so much because we think we have this whole track record of not trusting ourselves and that we can't be trusted and all of that kind of thing, and it really costs us a lot to not have that self-trust, especially our relationship with ourselves. So I think trust yourself, which I know is like one of those vague things people say, but really truly learning to trust yourself. And just as a very quick example, trusting yourself, for example, with goals and with the new year and that kind of thing is being willing to set a big goal because you trust that you're not going to beat yourself up if you don't achieve that goal. Like that is what trusting yourself can look like in practice. People tend to talk about, you know, trusting yourself in terms of decisions and that relates to that, but trusting yourself that you can feel any emotion and be okay. Yeah. That you can process that, that you can get through that and trusting yourself that you do know things because we love to think everyone else knows better and we tend to really look outward for approval and information but really turning inwards before you turn outwards is a very helpful thing to do as well. So I would just say, trust yourself as cliche as that is. That was the amazing Sam Laura Brown. If you want to know more about our guest or you want to explore the resources mentioned during the episode, the links will be in the episode description. If you want to dive into similar content, go to my website, kratimehra.com, and there's a whole bunch of them for you to explore. Now, if you enjoyed today's episode, please do rate and review the show on iTunes and share the episode on Instagram. Remember to tag me at mehra underscore krati so that I can thank you for your appreciation. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed creating it. Now, I'll be back next week. Till then, please do take care of yourself.